You're listening to the Everyday Office Podcast, a weekly show with tips, tricks, and best practices for getting the most and the best out of yourself and your team. Here's your host, Neil Malik. Welcome to episode three of the Everyday Office Podcast. This is the podcast where we explore that space where work and technology come together, where we can use technology to make our lives less tedious and more interesting, where we can make our work more effective and actually drive business results. I'm Neil Malik. I'm a software instructor and consultant, and today is one of those one-man shows. And here, I'd like to take some time and talk to you about effective PowerPoint presentations. I'd like to talk to you about it on a couple of different levels, starting at the the fundamentals of your mindset and your approach to problems, and then ending on a real technology solution that could have significant results for you. So to begin with, let's just, you know, let this all out there in the air. If you're listening to this podcast, there is a good chance that you have heard the phrase death by PowerPoint. But ultimately, I do not assign any blame whatsoever to Microsoft in this. They make a product that allows you to put things on a screen. What you decide to put on that screen is a whole other question. And we've all sat through those presentations where the executive has just taken every slide thrown five bullet points on that slide, and is reading it to you for an hour. So we're going to leave aside that space, because I think you and I both agree on the simple fact that that shouldn't happen, right? We shouldn't have stupid data dump meetings where we sit in a room for an hour and 45 people watch another human being read words to them. Like, that's... That's a terrible idea for the business, for you, for all of our effectiveness, for our motivation and our morale. So we're going to push that all aside. We're going to assume that the presentation that you are going to build is going to be for a specific purpose that is going to be to try to motivate some kind of action. Because in my mind, a real business presentation is about outlining the problems that we face, aligning everyone to the course of action that will help us solve those problems, and then motivating that forward action from the people who are in the room. That's really where good business presentations and good practice lies. So when we talk about that concept, what we're really getting at here is how can we help people see what's important, see what is an outlier, see what will make the biggest change for us, and then help them to see what the proper solution will be to whatever that scenario is. And that really comes down to helping them tell themselves a story. You may or may not have heard of this idea of data storytelling or building a storyboard or a plot for your presentations. And sometimes that can make people feel a little bit like, uh, you know, you're going a little bit out of bounds. Like, I'm not a Hollywood director. What are you talking about with all this stuff? But ultimately, when it comes down to it, When somebody walks out of a presentation, they don't have the presentation in their head. What they have in their head is the story they're telling themselves about the presentation, about who delivered it, 
about what they were focused on, about what these things mean for them. And if you're not absolutely clear about those relationships, about what you expect from other people and what's in it for them, and you can't give them that thread, they're going to build that for themselves. So we really do need to think about the overall story that each of us is telling ourselves in our minds about what our business is doing and what it should be doing. So how is it that we can use PowerPoint to help tell those stories, to help connect things, to help there be a thread from one idea to the next idea where people see the connections, they see what's important, they see it properly illustrated and brought into focus for them. Well, if we think about this in basic terms, there is a very simple design principle called contrast and repetition that literally every human on earth can understand. Let's take this podcast, for example. If throughout this podcast, I use the exact same inflection, the exact same pacing, the exact same amount of volume, you would never be able to tell what I thought was important. But on the other hand, when you hear me slow down, when you hear those pauses in my speech, you think to yourself, huh, he's got to be pausing for a reason, right? There's, there's got to be something that he thinks is important and impactful, and that's why he's letting it sit there. So I'm not allowing it to be repetitive and monotone. Instead, I'm bringing attention to different parts of my speech by there being contrasting elements. Sometimes I'll get really quiet, and sometimes I'll become very loud and very animated. I don't know how many of you are parents, but um, a piece of advice that my wife picked up recently said that actually uh, one of the easiest ways to get through to a small child is not to speak louder, but to speak quieter. If you speak more quietly to them, then if they're crying, they tend to lose a little bit of that uh, overwhelming emotion, that crescendo. <laughs> oh, I have a two-year-old, so I'm very familiar with that crescendo. Um, <laughs> but if you speak quieter, you bring it down, you bring it to their attention to the thing that you're talking about. And of course, the same thing goes here in the podcast. I'm trying to be intentional about the inflection, the pacing, the volume, and everything else that I'm doing. Now let's take it to the visual realm, because the visual realm is probably the easiest place to see contrast and repetition in action. Let's say that you have a slide, uh, it's slide number six, okay? and on slide number six, you want to talk about the three stages of your process. The first stage of the process being planning, the second stage being execution, and the third stage being analysis. Okay, so we plan something out, we execute on it, and then we analyze whether we succeeded or not. And let's say that for your purposes, you've decided to put three circles on the screen representing the three stages. So the first circle is over on the left, it's green. Then it has a little line connecting it to the circle in the middle, that's the execution circle, and that one is blue. And then it's got a little line and there's another circle on the right, and that's the, the analysis circle, and that one's gray. 
Now, I've just told you there are three circles on the slide, green, blue, and gray. Do you know which circle is important? I mean, unless you can tell me that one of them is like, I don't know, neon green or something like that. I think the odds are good that you would look at those three circles and say, I think they all have the same level of importance. The planning is as important as execution, which is as important as the analysis after the execution. And you think that because there's nothing telling us any different visually. So let me talk you through an easy mechanism for showing people what's important. To show people what's important, what you do is you turn all three circles gray. Then you take the circle that's important to you. Let's say it's the planning circle. And you not only change it to a very different, bright, let's say orange color, but you also make it bigger. Because the planning circle is bigger than the other two circles, because it's a different color from the other two circles, we have repetition telling us that the other two circles are less important. They're less of a focal point. And the first circle, because it's bigger and a different color, because it contrasts from the second and third colors, now we know that that's the thing that we need to focus on. Okay, so we've started out with things that have no planning behind them. All these circles that have the various different colors on them to something that is carefully planned out. Circles that are the same color versus one circle that's a different color. That contrast, that pop, makes it easy to see what the focal point is or what's important. Now let me take it a step further by telling you that if you have PowerPoint 2016, 19, or Office 365, you should start using the morph transition. Now, if anybody listening to the sound of my voice right now ever sat in on a single class of mine over the last 20 years, you know that I really hate PowerPoint transitions. I hate them with a burning passion because almost everybody uses a PowerPoint transition as a little bit of visual interest between slides to hopefully keep people from falling asleep. Like that's the whole point. They're like, well, you know, we're going from a boring slide seven to a boring slide eight, but I bet if it looked like a checkerboard pattern, people would be like, ooh, look at the checkerboard. Spoiler alert. They are not saying, ooh, look at the checkerboard. They hate you. <laughs> they really do. They're sitting in that meeting going, why are we here? Everything is so boring. So what can we do? How can we solve this problem? Okay, let me talk you through this. If you are on a slide that has three circles on it, let's start with a very repetitive slide. Let's say slide six has three equal gray circles on it for planning, execution, and analysis. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take slide six, click on it, and here's a great keyboard shortcut. Remember, control D means duplicate. If you click on that slide and you hit control D as in duplicate, it will make a second copy of the slide. Super useful. So very useful. Now, on the second slide, so we move from slide six to slide seven. On the first slide, we have three gray circles, nothing going on. 
Second slide, slide number seven. We're gonna take that first bubble. We're gonna make it bigger. We're gonna make it orange. Perfect. Now, once you do the same thing again, duplicate the slide. Now, I want the first bubble to be gray, the middle bubble to be big and orange, and the last one to be small and gray again. And then duplicate it again, and you know what I want to do there. I want the first two bubbles, the first two circles, to be small and gray, and the last one to be big and orange. Now, what you have at this stage in the process is a sequence of slides that goes from everything is the same to let's focus on the first one, to let's focus on the second one, to let's focus on the third one. And that's good. That's definitely very good. But here's another layer. If you now highlight all those slides, you can go to the Transitions tab at the top of the screen and apply the Morph Transition. And what PowerPoint's going to do is it's going to say, okay, on the first slide, we had three gray circles. On the second slide, the first of those bubbles gets bigger and orange. So we're going to morph it from the smaller gray one to the bigger orange one. On the next slide, that big orange one turns into a small gray one again, and the middle one turns into a big orange bubble. And now you see that morph is going to allow your audience to actually watch these things change over time. They're going to see the evolution of these ideas and see how they're all connected to one another. So that simple idea of tying two slides together and seeing how it transitions from one to the next, that's why I'm so gung-ho about using the morph transition. So let's back up for a second. What is morph? What morph is is a transition that says on the first slide, it looks like this. On the second slide, it looks like this. How can we morph from one into the other? How can we blend them together? So let me tell you about a technique that I've actually recorded in a YouTube video. I'll put a link in the show notes for this. The technique on the, in the video is the following. I want to take something uh, across a timeline. Like I, I want people to see how something has changed over time. Now in the video, I took a national park that, you know, I wanted to say, well, the National Park started out as just being wilderness, and then people started moving in, and there were roads put in, and then somebody decided to make a national park, et cetera, et cetera, right? So that is the timeline of that item. But you could just as easily say, oh, here's the uh, founding members of our company. And when they founded it in 1987, this is what happened. And then in 1994, this is what happened. And you want to talk through an entire timeline. Okay, so you're talking through a timeline. And how can you get people to really buy into that, to to follow the thread with you, to say, yeah, I get it and I, I care about, I am invested in this timeline that you're talking about. Well, one of the ways you could do that is you could take a big, beautiful picture of uh, the national park or the business or the founding members or whatever it is, and you could make that photo transition from being black and white to being full color, right? Going from the past into the future. So we can do that with the morph transition. Here's how you do it. On the first slide, 
you take a big, beautiful color picture of whatever it is. And then you click on that picture and you remember the shortcut from a few minutes ago, control D, you duplicate that picture. Now you have two copies of that picture and the top copy of that picture, you're going to go to the top of the screen. You're going to tell PowerPoint to format that as black and white. You could also use any of the other techniques. Let's say it's an old picture of uh, the people from 1987 or something. You could even kind of age that photo, do that sort of thing with it. You could make it look like a Polaroid and then make it look like a regular picture. There's a lot of different effects that you could decide to use to show that you're talking about past into the future, right? But this is an easy one, black and white to color. So we have a color photo on the bottom, black and white photo on top of it, on that slide. Okay, so that's slide number one. It's just a black and white picture. And we put a strip across it that that's our timeline. Now we click on the slide and we duplicate the slide. So now we have the second slide. It starts off with the timeline going across it and a big black and white picture. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to click on the picture and you're going to crop the left side of the picture out, just a little bit of it, right? And with the morph transition, going from the one that's not cropped to the one that's cropped a little bit, you'll see that it slides in to a certain point. Then you duplicate the slide and you crop it a little further and you duplicate the slide and you crop it a little further and you duplicate a slide and finally you crop it all the way out. And what do you have? Now you have a timeline where on the first slide you say, let's start at the beginning of history, right? Our founding members in 1987 decided to start this business. Then you click forward and the black and white version of the pictures of the partners, they sort of get cropped a little bit on the left and the color version of that picture that's behind it is now what's showing on the far left. In 1994, we uh, finally reached $1 million in revenue. Then you click forward again, and a little bit more of that left side of the picture gets cropped out. Maybe it's about halfway across now. Well, in 1999, we purchased our major competitor. Da 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 da. And then you push forward and it crops a little bit more. You have just a slight bit of black and white on the far side. And it says, in 2012, we did this. And then finally, it crops out all the rest of it. And you're left with just the full color version of that photo. So morph can be used for lots of different things. It's all about how something changes from one slide to the next. And being able to visually connect one slide to the next slide is a powerful way of building those threads to help people see what the story is. Let me give you another example here, and then I'll sign off for the day. So, um, there is a technique called the bang bang method. Somebody way cooler than I <laughs> named it um, that we can use with the morph transition. And I think it's really, really powerful for a number of different purposes. Let me describe the situation. Let's say on one of the slides, you want to talk about the business at its current state and you think that it's stagnant. So maybe you draw a rectangle or something, a fairly stable, possibly stagnant shape. And you want to recommend that the business become forward moving, right? That, that we progress into the future. 
So on the next slide, let's make an arrow instead of a rectangle. And you want to show how the company will turn into an arrow from a rectangle, how it'll go from being stagnant to forward moving. How are we going to do that? So here's what I want you to try out. When you're back in PowerPoint, I want you to go to the Home tab. I want you to go to the Arrange drop-down menu. And on the Arrange drop-down menu, you're going to find that there's an item at the bottom called the Selection Pane. And I'm going to go on record right now. The Selection Pane is probably like <laughs> the one of the widest uh, separations between how important it is and how few people actually use this thing. So here's the purpose of the Selection Pane. The Selection Pane shows you all the elements that are on the slide. So if you have one of those slides that's really complicated, it's got a lot of boxes and pictures and moving parts on it, it can be really difficult to get to the right shape and select it. But if you open up the selection pane, you'll see every single one of those things that's on the slide, a chart, a text box, a picture, whatever it is, they're all outlined in the selection pane. You can go to any one of them and you can decide to hide it or delete it. And what's interesting here is in our example, if you decided to go to a, a slide and insert a rectangle, it's probably called something generic like rectangle four, something like that. What I want you to do is go to that name, rectangle four, and if you right click on it, you can choose to rename it. And the reason it's called the bang bang method is because it starts off with two exclamation points. That's the bang bang part. All right, so it's exclamation point, exclamation point. And then you call it whatever you want to call it after the exclamation points, like uh, let's call it company shape, right? Now go to the other slide, the one with the uh, arrow on it, okay? So you go to the selection pane. It's probably called arrow four or something. Right-click on that shape and call it exclamation point, exclamation point, company shape, the exact same name as the previous slide. Now here's what happens. I think some of you already know what's about to happen, right? If you apply the morph transition and you say, okay, here's slide one that has the company shape and here's slide two that has the company shape, morph's going to say, okay, I'll try. And it'll try to turn a rectangle into an arrow. And that is a really interesting tool to have at your disposal, to be able to basically turn any shape, any icon, anything you want into something else from one slide to the next slide, simply by naming it the same thing, has a ton of different applications. So again, to zoom out here, what I'm recommending as much as humanly possible is we focus on the types of presentations where what we need to do is get people together, align them on what the problem and the solution look like, and drive motion forward. And the only way to really accomplish that is to get everybody telling themselves the same stories about the problems that they're facing and the types of solutions that are at their disposal. So a way to accomplish that is to use contrast and repetition. Repetition to show people what they don't have to focus on. And contrasting elements, big, colorful elements that really stand out in their face as the things that they should focus on. Now, if you take that a step further, you can tell those things to become the focal point over time. You can show somebody how something went from being a small problem to being a big problem by having it morph 
by saying the bubble for this problem used to be a very small problem, used to be a small bubble, and now it's a bigger bubble and you can actually watch it grow over time. So Morph is incredibly powerful for helping people tell their stories in the context of your presentation. That's it for me today. I appreciate your time and energy. I hope this finds you very well. If you need my help, please don't hesitate to email help at knacktraining.com. That's H-E-L-P at knacktraining.com. And we'll be putting Q&A sessions at the ends of each one of these podcasts as soon as we stack up those questions. This has been episode number three of the Everyday Office podcast. I'm your host, Neil Malik. Thank you and have a great rest of your day. Everyday Office is a podcast by Knack Training, a training and consulting company specializing in Microsoft and Adobe software, as well as presentation design and delivery, data visualization, and collaboration. Show notes and additional resources for this and all our shows can be found at knacktraining.com slash podcast.